1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I think
2: conversations with uh, Gronk to try to see if he wants to bring him back and if he doesn't come back, how will
3: that change kind of the offense? I don't want to talk about if he doesn't come back, but... Everything else, uh, it'll play itself out. We'll see. We'll see.
1: Byron Lefkowitz talking about tight end Rob Gronkowski. Maybe part of Brady's plan, too, was to completely wreck the budget at Fox so Gronkowski couldn't go there. (laughs) So that limits his options, and now he has to come back and play football. Gronkowski's made it clear if he plays, he's only playing for the Buccaneers. He just hasn't committed to the Buccaneers. He thinks he can get himself ready pretty quickly, and he's just enjoying life. He's taking his time. I think at the end of the day, we've talked about this, Brady's going to put on the Gronk signal, and Gronk's going to show up. The question is, is he going to be in football shape? Is he going to be in football size? Or is he going to be the Tom Hanks character at the end of Big, where he's wearing the suit that's you know like a, a grown man's suit and he's thirteen. That's how Gronk looked when he was on Fox the year he retired because he lost so much
2: damn weight. Is he going to have football body when he comes back? I, I would I would think right. I mean because it's it's not like he's like retired. I would think he's doing something here right now as keeping that option open. This one I mean it's it just it's interesting to me and you know one hey I know we're at a part of his career that yes you know you you you, you evaluate. You know, after every off season, especially a guy like that who's taking a lot of wear and tear in his body, but at the same time, too, I mean, yeah, is it is it more of a, just a posturing thing at this point? Kind of just wait. I, I'm not hearing the number I want to hear to come back and play one more year. That's where I'm. I'm a little interested here. I mean, usually in years past, it just seemed like we got the sense of like, oh, it's gonna happen, and it's just a matter of time. And like you said, and not that I still don't think that, but I just gotta. There's less rumors or feeling about it this time where I feel like maybe Gronk is actually like not sure he wants to play football again. He Maybe he's at that point. I, I don't know. But I, I just don't feel like there's a lot of buzz of what his thoughts are out there. I still think that when Tom Brady calls him and
1: says, I I'm agree back, with you. Yeah. He's yeah. coming. He's going back. Right. He's enjoying his time away. and And it may be that Brady understands that. He's more likely to respond the way that I want him to if I let him have this extended stretch of Gronk Beach at the draft and doing these other things and, you know, check in with him from time to time. But don't put the hard push on him until July rolls around. And maybe they've had the conversations in the past where, you know— Every time a year, it's like it's drudgery, and then you get to late July, and you know it's football season. So I think I think Brady knows how to play the guy. He knows him as well as anyone on earth knows him. And if Brady wants him back, he's getting him back. And I suspect Brady's going to want him back. He Doesn't need OTAs. Oh,
2: I was just say he doesn't need. No, he doesn't uh, no. need any of this. And but but but, Mike, didn't we go through one little period early in the off season where Gronk was like? He made a few comments about some other teams. Am I wrong? Didn't he talk about it just a little bit? But he has
1: said, he has said, he if he plays for anybody. It's going to be the Bucs. He said that multiple times. Yeah. More recently.
2: Okay. I know. I just. I okay. I know he said that recently. I just. Well, to me, that was yeah, a part of the reason hey, why it just seemed a little different than years past because there was like a yeah, yeah, a yeah. flirtation period there for a while. Maybe, maybe I'll end up playing for the Dolphins this year. Until that,
1: until that <laughs> ship sailed in a different direction. He was keeping the door open because he knew that Tommy may be playing somewhere else. Once he knows that Tommy's playing in Tampa, it's Tampa or nothing for Rob Gronkowski. Uh, the Buccaneers were very happy that Tom Brady came back. Clyde Christensen said yesterday that he did a backflip, and that's a very difficult thing for me to do, Clyde said. Uh, but one of the reasons they're happy who was the quarterback going to be if Tom Brady wasn't there and with Tom Brady there the question is who's the backup going to be they've got Blaine Gabbert the most underrated player in the NFL according to former Bucks coach Bruce Arians and they've got Tri- Kyle Trask a second round pick last year who presumably by year two is ready to be the backup to Tom Brady let's hear a little bit from Byron Leftwich and Clyde Christensen from yesterday regarding the two options at quarterback behind Tom Brady.
3: Well, we like where Kyle's at. We just haven't seen it, right? None of us. None of us have seen it. The only thing we got is preseason reps. I think he's gotten drastically better from the last time he stepped on the grass. We just got to see it. Um, I think he
0: continues to progress, and I'm, I'm glad we didn't have to find out uh, opening day this year. But uh, you know that 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 gives us another year to keep developing him and see and see. And I think he would tell you that it's you know he needs another year. And and Kyle's always been. That kind of slow, steady developer, right? In high school, in college, and I think this, this follows in line with, you know, exactly that. Is he battling Blaine
2: for that number two spot or is Blaine pretty much locked in as that number They're
3: two? They're just point? playing. They're just playing. Nobody has spot. We're just practicing trying to get better right now. We'll play all that out when times come.
0: I think it's more of a learning year. I don't see him competing with Gabbert this year, although if he, you know, it, it it just he, he could do it he, he, just all the odds are stacked against you you know you're not you can't rep everybody you can't get enough you know it's hard it's hard to get Gabbard enough reps so we'll prepare Gabbard as the number 2 and uh um there's always competition right there's always someone looking for your job but uh, Gabbard will get I, I don't see it being a, i don't see that being a you know either or, I see Gabbard being a backup and Kyle being a developmental guy, and uh, and we'll rep them that way. You're talking about one of the top backups in the league, a guy who was starting to, set, you know a, a top ten pick in the NFL draft. You're not you know you're not you know you're talking about an awful good player too. Uh,
1: okay, that's fine. Then why'd you take Kyle Trask? See that you, you quickly become dog chasing tail on this. Blaine Gabbert, great backup, one of the best backups in the league, top 10 pick, most underrated player in the league. Okay, fine. Then develop him to be the successor to Tom Brady. He's still got plenty of football left in him, right? Why'd you take Kyle Trask with a second round pick? And if Trask isn't ready to be the backup in year two of being a second round pick, if he's a developmental guy, why the hell did you take a quarterback in round two? Could have taken a guy in round 5, 6, or 7. That's where you take your developmental guys, unless it's Tom Brady in round 6. But, uh, you know, I, 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 this is not a glowing endorsement, Chris, for the present and future prospects of Kyle Trask.
2: No, uh, no, not necessarily. I don't think it's a bad thing either, though. I don't think it's like an indictment totally. Blaine Gabbert does have talent. I mean, there's no question about it. You know, again, it's, it's a guy that, yeah, as a starter, didn't do a whole lot and was in a tough spot and top 10 pick and everything there. But... You know, continues to be in and around the NFL because when he gets on a team, the team goes, damn, he's smart. Whoa, damn, he's got a great arm. Whoa, he's a pretty good athlete. Man, he's got good accuracy. So he's the perfect backup for that matter. And then he's got some real talent. You know, Trask was, it was a little bit, hey, that was their guy. You know, there was me, other people in football. I know it was kind of all over the place on Kyle Trask. There is a developmental curve there. So I think they're probably looking at it too like, hey, we're a Super Bowl team, and if Brady does get hurt, we'd rather have a guy that's you know been on the train tracks a few times here before rather than the guy that is still in the developmental phase, and I think that's probably why they keep him at three. You know, throughout the year, unless he goes out and just has an unbelievable preseason and stuff like that. And then he makes it a real competition, and maybe that makes them comfortable to make him the backup. And then who knows? But I think the way it is right now, they look at Gab- Gabbers being the guy that's in control there.
1: Either way, they got to be thinking about 2023 because I don't think Tom Brady's the quarterback of the team in 23. Now, look, we, we have seen that anything can and anything will happen. But I think right now they have to be entering 22 with an eye toward who is our guy going to be in 23. Is somebody going to fall out of the sky for us? Matt Ryan style in Indianapolis. Is it going to be somebody we can trade for? Are we going to draft somebody or is it going to be Blaine Gabbert backed up by Kyle Trask? Or yeah. does Kyle Trask develop enough this year. That's Kyle Trask backed up by the best backup in the league in in Blaine Gabbert. So uh, these are all issues for the Buccaneers because there will be life after Tom Brady after the 2022 season, or 23, or whenever, we now know that, that at some point, at some point, we think he will no longer play for the Buccaneers. Um, here is Byron Lefwich talking about the offensive game planning process in Tampa. Now that Bruce Arians is gone as the head coach, how will things change without Arians there? Here's Lefwich from yesterday.
0: Uh, How do you anticipate how it's going to work now with Bruce? Bruce, he's a consultant. Will he still have some input on the offensive plan? How do you think? How's that going to work? Uh,
3: Probably not from an offensive game plan stand on. And I don't think that's new. I I remember last year you guys talked about red line. That's never happened. I don't know where that came from. That is is not what he's ever done. I think the good thing with B.A. and him knowing me, I would struggle with that. But I would struggle myself with that, so and nobody was telling BA what to call either. So he understands that, and so that type of stuff, it would be the same as 2019. I just, I guess I'm an offensive coordinator with an offensive-minded head coach, so guys think. But it was never, it was never nothing even close to that. From the time I walked in 2019 with Jameis, it's been me full go. I'm just no risky, no biscuit too. So it's just. You guys just same thing. Same thing. Nothing will change. Everything should be status quo.
1: That's Byron Leftwich's take on what what started with some reporting. And I don't know that that word really fits the circumstances because Rich Hornberger isn't a reporter, but he was very insistent that there was friction between Bruce Arians and the combination of Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady because they would work all week on the game planning and Arians would barnstorm in and redline the game plan, make changes, do whatever. And this is a, this is a, a delicate minefield through which the Buccaneers are tiptoeing because the impression that Leftwich creates, Chris, the, the reaction I have is, well, what the hell was Bruce Arians doing there then? He's an offensive-minded head coach. And he's completely abdicated the offense to Byron Leftwich. So what are you doing? What are you doing there? Other than game day, when you're deciding, and these are important tasks. We've talked about this, and we've praised Bruce Arians for his ability to know when to go for it on fourth down, when to go for two, right? When to make the big decisions, when to throw the red challenge flag, et cetera. But what are you doing the rest of the week? If you're not, I mean, is he not looking at the offensive game plan at all? I, 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 How, I can bet, I, I, How can yeah, you not? No, How can you not? How can you not? I don't. And if you're it. looking at it, aren't you going to at some point, Chris? If you're yes, looking at it, yes. are you just going to rubber stamp it every week? No. Are you not going to give them the benefit of your no. years of experience? The problem is, if you're in the in the golf cart and or on the golf course all week, or otherwise not there grinding away, your input rings hollow because what they have prepared is based upon busting their asses and grinding and studying film and thinking it through. And when anybody just kind of shows up and says, well, I don't know about this, I don't know about that, it's going to create, it's going to create, well, wait a minute, you're not here while we're doing this. Your, your, your input doesn't have the same value as if you were really in the weeds
2: with, with the opponent we're about to face. I, I mean, you're not wrong with anything you said there. You know, do I think like, yeah, was, I think Brian Leffert is being careful there a little bit because it became a thing with the red line thing and he's crossing plays out or whatever, but obviously Bruce Arians was aware of what was going on on the offense and defensive game planning and probably added his two cents. I don't think the rumors that were out there are wrong. I mean, again, it's one of those where there's smoke, there's fire and there's smoke everywhere. Everybody in football kind of had these same thoughts that there was some sort of issue there along the lines of Arians getting involved in the game planning of Brady and Byron Lefwich. I doubt that's untrue I, I don't you know but but yes I think at the same time you don't have to be Mike I think like uh, the head coach has a lot on his plate no matter what even if he's not calling plays and or and coming up with the the offensive or defensive game plan There's always stuff going on in the facility. He is organizing practices. He is keeping eyes on everything that's going on there to where it is a full-time job. The guys who can do both, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. And even those guys have a guy that they can trust to go, oh, wait, I got to put out a fire here. I need you to take over. So, you know, again, I don't think like uh, Arians was sitting back sipping pina coladas all day. Do I sit there and think he was grinding like Bill Belichick? No, I don't either. Uh, but I think he was very aware of what was going on in that building and game planning wise, and he added his two cents maybe too often. I, I just, I
1: agree with you. And when Leftwich tries to create a narrative, and this is nothing against Byron Leftwich because he's in a tough spot because Arians is still there. Yeah, right. Arians is still a consultant. It's not like he's gone. Um, but it creates an impression that Arians was not involved in any. Shape, way, or form, as you would say, with the offense. And at a certain point, it just seems weird and it seems not credible that Arians would just say to Byron Left, which week in and week out, you're fine. You're fine. I don't need to know anything about the game plan. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah, I we doubt don't need to that. talk about it. Right. And, and, and if he did know about it, he never said, well, I don't know about that. I don't know about. I don't know. You know, we got our short yardage calls. You know, our two point convert. You got four options for two point. Yeah, I don't like the third one. We got surely well, we got a better play than that. You know that you, the way that Leftwich is characterizing it, that that doesn't even happen.
2: It's completely hands off, and that yeah. to me isn't that, believable. Yeah, that, I'm sorry, right. but it's not believable. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. You're right. He's in a tough spot. He's got to be careful there. It's his friend. You know, and at the same time, I do think that there was a part of Bruce Arians that just trusted in Brian Lefwich because, you know, Lefwich was wired by Bruce Arians. They 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 see the game the same way. So he could trust them to go, wait, he can deal with the meat and potatoes of the offense and I'll kind of just give an overview. Okay. Hey, we're on the right track and, and go from there. It's a damn good offense. Again, look at the stats we just threw on the board there. I mean... You know, I, the, 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 the Brady's brought them winning. The offense has been explosive even before Brady. It's a damn good offense and system they got there. And that's where it's kind of shocking that Leftwich isn't a head coach already because he just go. it's one of my favorite offenses to watch in football, schematical, schematical wise. Um, schematical wise? Schematically schematical wise too late can't take
1: wise. it back hands off the checker <laughs> S- Sim- i don't want to say it because e.j is going to tell me to stop stealing his lines but simsism schematical, schematical wise. wise coming soon maybe as soon as tomorrow we'll see get to work e.j leave me alone go after him um uh, one other buccaneers related nugget that i saw this morning lewis sign one of Chris's favorites safety oh, take 32nd overall by the Minnesota Vikings was on Richard Sherman's podcast. And this is Sign's quote. I had a team at 27. They know who they are. Lewis. So does everybody else. <laughs> I ain't going to say no names. Lewis. You don't need to. I was at, it was at 27. The whole process. If you're there, we're going to pick you. They moved down to the first pick of the second round. But again, he's not naming names. I'm like, damn, they just did me so dirty. I mean, it was the Buccaneers. They had the 27th pick. They moved down to 32. And they took Logan Hall. And, and actually moved to 33, not 32. Right, 33. First pick of the second round. 33, not 32. Vikings took him at 32. Um, and, you know, sign. It's it's possible that they thought that they could move to 33 and I, still get him. I think that's what they're thinking. Right. Right. But, and, and I don't know what the etiquette is in that spot. Like, do you call them up and say, well, we thought about taking you here, but, you know, we're going to play a little game here. We're going we're gonna to play a little game with your future. Instead of taking you here, we're going to trade down six spots. Oh, by the way, we'll be paying you less. But the good news is we won't be able to use a 50-year option on you, so you should be happy. I mean, I don't know how transparent you are with any of that while you're trying to figure out everything that you're going to do. But – Uh, When Todd Bowles, the coach of the Buccaneers, explained it, he said, We had several guys that we were looking at at 27. We moved to 33. We were able to get Logan Hall. He was the last of the guys we would have taken at 27, so we took him. Now, again, they're not going to come out and say, Well, you know what? We did this thinking we would still get our guy, and we didn't, so we settled for Logan Hall. Sorry, Logan. (laughs) Sorry, Logan. That's kind of what that was the first inclination I had last year that Urban Meyer had no freaking clue. When Urban Meyer, after drafting, Travis Etienne, with their second pick in round one, right. decided to openly and publicly lament the failure to get Kadarius Toney with that pick. That's not how you do it. That's For a variety of reasons, you don't go there. So I can't fault Todd Bowles for not coming out and saying, man, we really thought Lewis Sign would be there and it didn't work. But based on what Sine had to say to Richard Sherman, Chris... He was under the impression he was going to go at 27 until he didn't. Well,
2: yes. You know, again, it, it's – they don't you – know, there was no contract. They don't, like, owe him, like, their word. I mean, they – No, I, know, I, Yeah, I but know you agree. it's their word. You're only it's, as good as your word. They, things change. It's it's a tough business. It's, it's a moving – it's a moving pieces part of the business in the first round there. So they took a calculated chance. You know, as much as they probably did like Louisine, they looked at it and went – damn, this is a pretty good trade offer, and we do have some other guys that are still on the board that we like, and we'll, we'll, we'll roll the dice here because of what we're going to get and the assets we're going to collect. So uh, it's unfortunate that way. It seems like Lewis seems a little disappointed, honestly. He might be a hair bitter. doesn't sound like maybe he wanted to play for your Vikings. Maybe he wanted to play for I... old, a winner like the Buccaneers. Hey, hey, <laughs> let me tell you
1: something. Let me tell you something. If I was coming into the NFL right now, a hundred percent I'd rather
2: play for the Buccaneers. Sure. Without question, I'd rather play for the Georgia, right? So there's a North Florida connection there. I get yeah. that. without question. But that without goes question. on in the draft process, and, and I do think there was probably real love. Again, I, I was there. That I was one of those guys. The Raiders made me believe they were going to take me at the end of the first round of the year I came out. There I was. You what know, did they say to make you believe that? What well, did they say? They had the last two picks of the first round, and Al Davis was point blank like was like man if you're there at the end of the first round you know there's a good chance we're gonna take you and I I came out of there and went home and told my mom and dad and just was like man I I think they really like me I think there's a good chance I go there now I know that wasn't definite but it just hey it made me believe and, and and or at least think that it might happen good chance is different yeah and here's the problem yeah. with scene. I right.
1: said, sign. i got to work on some of my pronunciations. I'm so proud of myself for getting Joe Shane right all the time that I've gotten lax on some of the others. Louis Seen believes yes. firmly that they told him. And I'd like to know why. Yeah. And look, hey, right. I, I, here's how I look at it. Here's how I look at it. It's on the teams to communicate clearly and effectively and make sure the players understand where they stand. Because for the players... They do it one time in their lives. Yeah, that's right. The teams are doing it over and over again with a bunch of guys every year. You better be clear in your communication and you better be damn sure you don't make any enemies gratuitously or accidentally. Now it's one thing if you say, "I oh, screw that guy. We'd never want him in the future. That's not a good way to be anyway. But if, if, if the, the Bucks have any designs on getting Lewis seen at some point down the road? You don't want him being pissed off at you in the aftermath of the draft, and and it may be that that they never said that, but they didn't say clearly enough. Yeah,
2: right. something they, to they make led him, him believe. To believe. Yeah, right.
1: Anything other than if you're there at twenty-seven, we're taking. Yeah, no, and, I know. And and, and, yeah, yeah, I. The teams Chris usually I'm don't do that. Of an objective. Hey, if I can choose between Tom Brady and Kirk Cousins being my starting quarterback, now I may look a hell of a lot better in practice at Minnesota. I may yeah. have more interceptions in practice at Minnesota if I'm Lewis seen, but I'm I got a better chance of getting more, of getting myself a ring in Tampa Bay. No, so yes, no question, no question, hundred out of hundred times. I know. I like to know Vikings too, fans to your but point, but you know that you would do it too, Vikings fans. You would go to Tampa Bay over Minnesota if you could. You would trade your entire roster for the entire Tampa Bay roster right now if you could. Yes, they would. We're we're keeping it real. (laughs) Trying to inspire Tom Brady to always say what needs to be said, even if he pisses some people off. Let's go ahead and take a break. By the way, by the way, and this is kind of odd. A day after they land Tom Brady, Fox gets to announce one of its games. And it announces week 10 it's going to be Cowboys at Packers. That's fine. But I just thought it would be a Tommy game. Instead, it's Cowboys at Packers. There they are. Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy, home McCarthy,
2: homecoming. Yes.
1: Oh, yes. A nice little wrinkle there. Very good. Um, and I assume that Fox just didn't get to pick any game it wanted to. I, if I was Fox, I would have wanted to announce the uh, – do they have the Thanksgiving – um, Dallas game.
2: this they year? They should have
1: it this year. They should have the Thanksgiving Dallas game because last year it was the Raiders at Dallas. That would have been a CBS game. So they they do have the the Dallas. I would have wanted Wh- to announce that. 52? One, but I who's the NFL. number fifty two? The number fifty
2: two, right there on Green Bay. I, you
1: know what? I I I. It's not Clay Matthews. Right. He's not there anymore. Who is number fifty two? It's Rashawn, How did he it's make Rashawn, it on the poster? I know. It's Rashawn, Rashawn Gary. Gary. You know, but hey, but yeah, uh, but what what is that? It would have been. I know he's good. I know he deserves it. But it speaks to the
2: litmus test. It speaks to the Packers.
1: Yes. Go ahead. Say it. Other than Aaron Rodgers, who's the next best guy. There we go. A
2: guy that that you got to stop and think, who's number 52 for the Green Bay Packers? Thank you. But they're supposed to win the Super Bowl, and and, and Rodgers is a loser if they don't win it. (laughs) That's a
1: litmus test that agents use when you decide whether or not a guy, and, and this is in support of your argument, and teams will push back on you, and this is why it's useful to have an agent to serve as the buffer, because if you're negotiating directly with the player, you can't really say this. But if everybody knows who the player is and what number he wears automatically, that's one of the signs that he's, that he's in the upper echelons, right. as you would say, right. of players. When you see Green Bay Packers 52, you're thinking Clay Matthews. <laughs> You're still thinking Clay Matthews. You're not thinking Rashawn Gary, no, right? No, I, I mean, you're, and and so th- that's that's it a says sign something that
2: beyond. Yeah,
1: why did they? Why why not? Uh, um,
2: Jair Alexander, maybe I guess he's hurt. Or, yeah, what numbers does he wear? Is he wore 37? 23. Is that Twenty three. No. See, yeah. yeah. So, so uh, hey, Jair,
1: some say you deserve a big contract. People don't automatically know what number you wear. What about uh, the running back? Why not Aaron, Aaron Jones? Aaron Jones,
2: you're right. That, I mean, he'd be more of a Were they allowed name. to only have one Aaron? Yeah. Were they I, allowed to only have one Aaron? I, I think on they the, went offense the, uh, and defense, maybe. They were just trying to get yeah. one of each side of the ball there, maybe. Uh, something I, think, like
1: that. Uh, I think if Devontae Adams is still on the
2: team, he, he would have made the poster. Made there. I think you're right. I, I think, think Devontae right Adams makes the poster. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> I All agree. Right.
1: Let's take a break. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, he has been in New England long enough to be a full-fledged card-carrying Stepford Patriot. You'll, You'll see the evidence and hear it when PFT Live continues right after this.
3: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines.
0: Who's your receivers coach this year? Uh, you know, got a bunch of guys. Got to ask Coach uh, Belichick, you know. <laughs> and who's your offensive coordinator or pass game coordinator? you to have to ask Coach Belichick that way. Okay, one. fair enough. I thought that's what you say.
1: Good luck getting anything out of a Stepford Patriot. Nelson Aguilar knows to not say anything, don't reveal anything, including who's your position coach, who's your... We'd have, we they'd had, you know what they'd have had a be- they'd have had a better chance getting out of Nelson Agu- Aguilar what the title of the sequel of Dirty Dancing is going to be Chris <laughs> D-
2: Dirty <laughs> you're funny Dirtier Dirtier <laughs> Dancing we, Grinding we, we, We're listening Peel
1: Peel back the curtain Yeah Peel back the curtain We do very important things during the break like scan Twitter and I blurted out Hey they're finally making a sequel to Dirty Dancing 35 years later and Pete said What's the title going to be So we ran through the whole gamut of Dirty Dancing Two Dirtier dancing, filthy dancing, grinding, and, and uh, you knew P- – and Pete, Pete knew – Pete knew. All we need is Peter King to say, what is twerking? I demand to know what twerking is. That's a Peter King line yes, from right. 2012. And we have it somewhere. Wouldn't that be something if by the end of the show, someone in the back room could find – What is twerking? A clip of Peter King where he blurts out, what is twerking? I demand to know what twerking is. Maybe twerking will make its way into the title of Dirty Dancing so it's properly updated to reflect the the dance moves of the current times. All right. Anyway, Nelson Aguilar regarding uh, the Patriots. Yeah, he he was with the Eagles. He had a solid single year with the Raiders, so solid that the Patriots
2: swooped in and grabbed him. Uh, What do you expect from him out of year two? I, I like Aguilar's game. I do. And, again, I think that offense is just going to continue to go in the upward direction. Uh, we, we saw Mac Jones get you know more comfortable as the year went on, you know, be a little more aggressive throwing the ball down the football field. And, again, as you've always heard me say, Mike, it, it's there was a lot of new pieces on that offense last year with a rookie quarterback. And what you always hear me say is that offense ain't that easy to learn. So I think between, hey, they got a, new, a few new pieces in there, the offensive line be a little bit better, and then, hey, we've got you know, a weapon or two that are different with Mac Jones in year two, uh, I think you're going to see an offense that's a little less conservative this year, a little more aggressive and, and playmaking instead of being all about execution and not messing the game up.
1: Yeah, and uh, Mac Jones is going to be the key to whether to what extent the offense elevates here is Aguilar on the question of whether or not Mac Jones is going to be a stronger quarterback in year two here's what Aguilar had to say
0: yeah I mean he's, he's definitely trained his butt off I can tell that and I see it every day when he comes in here you know he works his butt off he's here every day you know putting the time in and obviously when he throws the football he throws the football well really well you know and, and uh you know, I'm impressed with what he does every day and how he works.
1: You know, one thing that we're noticing this year, and maybe I've missed it in past years, but the quarterbacks seem to be putting in a lot more body work. Yeah, Joe Burrow when he showed up last week, he looked he thicker. looked right thicker and yeah. bigger and more muscular. Right, and you know, Zach Wilson. Bigger and thicker. Still looks like he's twelve, but bigger and thicker and more muscular. Mac Jones sounds like you know a little less doughy. Right. A little more. Russell Wilson more throwing muscular. the
2: pitch out in Denver. We had the same observation, right? You thought he looked thicker. Right? Yeah. You know, it's the time of the year where you do that. You build some armor because you're gonna some of it's gonna get shaved off a little bit through your, you know, constant running, practicing, doing all that, you know, this time of the year in OTAs and the training sessions. So I think that's part of it too. And then I think really the other aspect of it is is just that, uh, you know, not that the quarterback position is as physical as when we grew up and everything, but these quarterbacks are running the ball more now too to where I think it's got to be on their, their radar a little to go, you know what, I, I could use a little armor on my arms and my shoulders and my pecs. I'm, I'm going to have to lower my shoulder a few times every game and get a first down or, you know, kind of get in the, the mosh pit to a degree. I think there's, there's that aspect there. And, uh, yeah, hopefully Mac Jones has, you know, changed his body a little bit to be a little less doughy.
1: Yeah, and, and look, you, you, the pads are only going to do so much. I remember when Brett Favre lost like 20 pounds one offseason. Yeah, right. And, 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 and it was harder for him to keep his streak going. You've sure. got the natural protection of your internal organs and the ligaments and the bones and everything else when you have extra flesh covering them. It's natural padding for your body and for the important things that allow you to keep playing. And so there is a sweet spot that you want to hit there, where you want to have
2: enough. You want to have enough that you're protected, but you don't want to have so much that you can't you're move. Constricted, right? You don't want to be that. That's exactly right. And Mac Jones, I think, you know, you you brought up Joe Burrow, and that's kind of where I wanted to go. With Mac Jones, you know, after year one, we went with Joe Burrow. Hey, you know, it was really good. I mean, you could see he's a natural. I wish, and you might remember me saying this, I, I kept going, I wish he would just throw with a little more power. I wish he could just get a few more, you know, RPMs on the ball. I think it would take his game to the next level. And then we got to the training camp, remember, and that's all he would talk about. I, I worked on throwing the ball harder and, you know, being a little more explosive throwing the ball. I have the same feeling with Mac Jones. It was a phenomenal first year. To be there in New England and do what he did, but if I had one thing that I would take away, and I, maybe even more than Joe Burrow here, I would just go, man, it's it's we, gotta, we got a little more pep on the ball, a little bit more like we, we got to put the ball into some tighter windows, and it can't always be about timing and rhythm and all the time. You know, it's just the game's not always like that. That would be my one thing I think he needs to adjust, and and hopefully that does happen for his sake and the Patriots. He really has changed his overall look. Remember one
1: of the criticisms of him coming out in the draft, and I don't know if it was a, an Alabama equipment manager issue. He just never looked like his uniform fit him right. Yeah, he looked, right. He just he didn't have the look of a quarterback. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like Superman dropped out of the sky in New England.
2: He looked good. You know, like, he looks the, good I, in I, the I, He looked. He
1: looked. He, 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 it, it was a completely different vibe. It was a completely different look. And, uh, that was before they got rid of Cam Newton. Uh, super, They had Superman, and they put Mac Jones in the Superman suit and decided they didn't need Cam Newton anymore, so we'll see what he can do moving to year two. Let's take a break. When we return, remember the incident? The kicking of the kicker? The kicker who was kicked, allegedly, has filed a lawsuit against the Jaguars over the behavior of Urban Meyer and the team's reaction to it. We'll discuss that next year on PFT Live. feel bad for the radio and podcast crowd in a moment like that. They have to be wondering, what in the hell did I just listen to? Well, if you watch on Peacock, you'll see that it was Cam Jordan with his son. Is his son seven? That kid is going to be large if that kid's seven. I think I saw in the tweet that he's seven. Yeah, hey, well. hey, Cam, enjoy being the alpha while you can. And be careful how far you push it because your son's going to remember. <laughs> and there's going to be a day... When you look him in the eye and he looks you in the eye and you're not the alpha anymore. I've been there on both sides of it. Chris has been on at least one side of it and he's going to be on the other side of it. It's going to happen. You want it to happen. You want, you want another alpha to take over. It's baked into who we are. Be careful, Cam, because he's going to remember the day you were dunking all over him
2: and put it on social media. Yeah, he'll he'll get his payback at some point. He'll, He'll get his dunks in on dad when dad's a little older and can't jump or something there. But, yeah, I mean, funny video. Love it. Hey, you know kids got to learn to compete kids got to learn to lose a little bit all right so he's going to do that but yeah he does look like he's going to be big i mean hey granddad played in the nfl tight end for the vikings dad's a defensive end for the saints i mean yeah chances are he'll be big and have a chance to play in the nfl too
1: cam jordan's been a great player and i think we take him for granted because we Definitely do. He's one he's one of these guys that's never been off-the-charts defensive player of the year. There's been times he's been in the conversation. Right. He's just consistent. He came into the NFL the same year as J.J. Watt. He's playing at a higher level right now than J.J. Watt. Definitely. Respect, but Watt's yes. got three defensive player of the year awards. Yeah. Cam Jordan is just there every year, bringing it at a high level but not a spectacular level to the point where people are like, oh, Cam Jordan. You know, When, when you talk about the top three defensive players in the NFL, he's rarely in that conversation. There have been times where he has been, but he's still going strong, entering what'll be year 12. It's up there. Career.
2: It is. Yeah. It's it's like, like you, you said it, right? There's, there's like a, a little lack of maybe sexiness and sizzle with Cam Jordans, but the effectiveness is real. He's always around 10 or 12 sacks. I mean, every freaking year. And... He's one of the best run-stopping defense ends in football, too. It's, it's a complete football game with Cam Jordan. I mean, that's the reason the Saints defense has you know, been one of the better defenses in football. It's because he's been leading the charge for them.
1: Um, okay, Urban Meyer was leading Uh-oh. the charge for the Jaguars last year. And what seemed to be the final straw, the thing that resulted in the Jaguars firing, even though they claimed that it wasn't because they'd known about it, for months. It's just once it became public, then oh, we have to do something about this. The claim from former Jaguars kicker Josh Lambeau that he was kicked by Urban Meyer during pregame warm-ups in advance of a preseason game against the Cowboys in August, and and it was a a, a fairly hard kick in Lambeau's version of the events. Meyer denies anything and everything, and yada yada yada. They fired him after that. Now Lambeau is suing the Jaguars. He wants His base salary of $3.5 million for 2021. He wants compensation for his emotional distress. And the argument is that Meyer physically and verbally abused him. Lambeau made a complaint under the Florida Private Sector Whistleblowers Act. And a lot of the states have a provision like this where it encourages people to come forward with complaints and it gives them protection against retaliation. And I guess the argument would be Hey, this guy would still be the kicker for the Jaguars, would have been the kicker in 2021, but for the fact that he complained about Urban Meyer. Here's why it's going to be a problematic lawsuit from the get-go. The collective bargaining agreement. One of the things you give up as a player when you're part of a union is the ability to run to court when your rights have been violated. There's a grievance procedure that he will have to go through. Now, he could argue that his rights under the Florida Private Sector Whistleblowers Act are exempted from the CBA, and there's different legal arguments that could come up. But I guarantee you the first move by the Jaguars, just like it would be if and when Meyer sues them for the balance of his contract and they try to take it to the secret rigged kangaroo court of Roger Goodell, Lambeau sues them the first move is going to be to take it to the much less secret, much less rigged, much less kangaroo court of the CBA. But even there, the team gets a better outcome because you avoid going in front of a judge and a jury. But that's the procedure that's baked in to the, the labor management relations. And that's where Lambo is probably so, gonna have to go I'm I'm surprised he filed the lawsuit because usually these
2: are things that are handled under the CBA so I mean first off and to just two th- I want to ask you a question the first thing is like you know again where where people like I see here sometimes first off if it was just like a friendly nudge kick like where oh man I just you know put my foot and hit you on the thigh or your butt and you know it's like a camaraderie. I don't, nothing would be said. There obviously had to been enough of a kick here for a guy to come with this complaint. I don't think if it was just a playful nudge, even though he's a kicker, he's still a football player and used to these kind of things. It had to have crossed the line. Now, the thing I want to ask you, Mike, is like, does this help or hurt Jacksonville? As far as like, if, if Meyer wants to recoup money, is it going to be a good thing to go... Hey, look! This guy Urban Meyer broke a lot of rules. Look what he did to Josh Lambeau. But at the same time, like to what you're kind of saying, you could also go, well, wait—that has nothing to do with it. They kicked him whenever, and then they let him go forever. So I guess that's where I struggle with it as I, you know, get get facts of the the, the information here.
1: Well, we saw the very strong quotes that were made by Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, to Jarrett Bell of USA Today in in the aftermath of the news emerging that Fox and Meyer were closing in on a deal for him to return right after that. And again, there are no coincidences right after that con unloads on Meyer. How can you work with someone like that? It was issues of trust, et cetera, et cetera. It was as harsh of a comment that I've heard an owner make about a former coach since Al Davis got the overhead projector out and went after Lane Kiffin all those years ago. So, um, there's some acrimony there. Oh, and by the way, Urban Meyer still hasn't been rehired by Fox. I wonder if they're just letting the... I don't know. They have to rethink if they can afford Urban Meyer after committing to Tom Brady. Maybe <laughs> Urban Meyer's money and a lot of other people's money went to Tom Brady. I digress. Um, this helps the Jaguars potentially in their fight against Meyer when Meyer tries to get the balance of his contract. And it's going to be a lot more than the $3.5 million that Lambeau thought he was going to make last year. So this this does potentially help, but... But my argument would be, if I was representing Meyer, you knew about this in August, you didn't fire me then.
2: Right. So how can right. it be
1: for cause? You just had a bunch of little things that weren't that weren't true cause, and those were enough things that caused you to say, we just want to be done with this guy, but we really don't have cause to do it. Because everything we knew about, we forgave by not firing him then. Oh, well, it was for cause after the stuff in Cincinnati and, and abandoning your post and going up to Columbus and being videotaped in a way that embarrassed the team. Well, you should have fired me then. Well, you didn't really tell us the truth when when uh, we interrogated you about what happened. Well, you should have fired me then when you knew. Well, you kicked the kicker. Well, you should have fired me then. That, but that's, what about,
2: like, no, cause for, like, no. the amount of things building up to, like, what you're talking about? To going, okay, maybe not that. But here it was strike 94. He did something this week again. So we finally were like, that's it. He's not going to learn. Is there no well, – precedent for that three points to make very quickly
1: number one was there something that happened the week that they fired him that was just coincidental to the news emerging that he had allegedly kicked Josh Lambeau because if the catalyst was the public now knows what we've known since August I, I I like that argument on Meyer's behalf. I don't like many other arguments on Meyer's behalf, but I like the one that you're kind of full of crap here if you're saying that that wasn't the catalyst when there really wasn't anything else. Secondly, what kind of a record did they create? What kind of documentation is there? And this is, this is one of the things I used to advise employers on once upon a time in my legal career. And then when I flipped over to representing the rights of individuals, far more fulfilling, frankly. I would always attack that. What kind of a paper trail did you create? You have all these concerns. Where's the memos? Where's the file? Where's the warnings? Where's this? Where's that? Where are the opportunities you've given my client to try to understand what the issues are and conform his or her behavior to what your expectations are? So let's see how you've papered the file. Third, most importantly, any claim Meyer makes is going to the secret rigged kangaroo court of Roger Goodell, who is going to be far more likely to find... For Urban Meyer, and this is the point that we've made all the time. There's always going to be enough facts to come to either conclusion. And if you have a baked-in bias, if you have an inherent conflict of interest, if you are making a decision that involves somebody who is paying you 60 million a year or more to do your job, you're going to be more likely to find in their favor. It's, it's pretty obvious. That, that there's a conflict of interest there to the point where I can't believe they've gotten away with this for all these years. So Amazing. Meyer's going to have a hard time, and this does help. This does help Jacksonville's case, even if it doesn't fit the legal analysis.
2: It just shows. And even
1: if it's hard to – make, it, it's just – it's one of those things that, you know, you come to the conclusion, he guy's a butthole. He got what he deserved. Yeah, right. I mean, that, right. The, this is how the legal sausage gets made. It is not blind justice. It is not we are going to – objectively and dispassionately assess the facts, apply the law to the facts in a methodical way, and treat this like a mathematical equation? No. You decide, and juries do it, and judges do it. Do we like this person? Does this person deserve the justice that he or she is seeking? Is this person someone that we are comfortable giving justice to? All those things go into it and you decide where it wants where you want it to end and you work backward to get there. That's that's how it works. Everywhere, everywhere, that's how it works. So and that's how it'll work for Urban Meyer. The fact that Josh Lambeau's on the record with this lawsuit now is not gonna help Urban Meyer get his money. And uh, he should have signed the deal with Fox before they gave his money to Tom Brady. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we we'll return, the podcast and radio crowd is going to love this. The Hall of Fame revealed its winner for photo of the year for the 2021 season. We'll tell you about we'll it very on the podcast. We'll yeah. be very descriptive right. to the folks who can only hear what we have to say when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, with Tom Brady getting 375 million over 10 years to call games for Fox whenever he retires from the NFL, and who knows when that will be. Current players we would want to hear in the broadcast booth. That's our draft for today. And because we
2: talked so damn much all show long, we really have to move through this. Chris, you're up first. All right, I'm, I'm going to go with somebody on the world champion Los Angeles. I'm going with Jalen Ramsey. In lieu of, like, how much I love listening to Aqib Talib. The ex-great corner, future Hall of Fame corner, in my opinion, uh, for the Broncos, Patriots, Buccaneers. Uh, Corners, I love corners, first off. They just, they, they, see the game differently. They have a different bravado and way about them. And they're not afraid to say a few crazy things. And I think that's where Jalen Ramsey would be awesome. Like Jalen Ramsey to me would, would not be afraid to say a few things, maybe be a little controversial, maybe go, what the hell is that guy thinking and all that kind of stuff. He was kind of the first guy that came to my mind in this process.
1: First guy I thought of, and maybe this is recency bias is Kayvon Thibodeau, the newest member, at least via round one of the New York giants. He may not technically be a player yet because I don't think he signed his contract, but nevertheless, he has a number. He's on the Giants, and I think he would be great. Now, he doesn't have enough experience in the game yet at the NFL level, but I think he would be incredibly entertaining, and I feel like it's in his future at some point down the line. Who knows? Maybe Tom Brady won't have even started working for Fox by the time Thibodeau retires and and joins one of the networks.
2: Yeah, he's certainly, like, well, well-spoken. You can tell he's smart, got some different angles about what he wants to talk about. He's a character. That's why Giants fans love the pick. You know, they, they see the highlights of the player, and then they the personality just fits New York. So I get that all the way. All right, I want to see the Bosa twins. I want to see them both. I want no play-by-play guy. I just want both of them in there. Meathead defensive end talk and just hear them talk about football. That's what I would love to see. Like, 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 hey, almost like the Manning cast. I'd love to see those two. They and could, I was just thinking. I was thinking they could do a meathead, a meathead, a meathead, meathead Manning meathead, cast. Yeah, meathead Manning cast. Oh, bro, I would have had seven chicken breasts yesterday if I knew. Uh, that, I, I think that could be really funny. <laughs> uh I-, I will go naji harris we saw a photo
1: of him last segment uh if unless you're, you're listening on sirius xm 85 but but he's already shown he's got an incredibly colorful personality so i, I think he would be great and I'd, I'd
2: love to hear from him yeah week I'm, in I'm, and week out i i, I hear you there naji's got an unreal personality he dominates a microphone um Mil i'm gonna go with aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers would be great. I mean, he's going to be controversial. What a shot. Uh, well, he's not, he's not afraid shot. to say things. I mean, you know, what some of shot. them might not be factual. Some might be. Who knows? You just don't know where it's going to go. Put him on there with Pack McAfee, you don't know where it could go. But Rodgers, the one thing you could say to that, like, we know he's smart. And he is a little bit more outspoken than the normal franchise quarterback. I don't think you could disagree with that. That's why I kind of kind of well, said that.
1: He's taken this heel turn, yeah. deliberately or not, the past couple of years. He's really embraced the idea that instead of avoiding any and all criticism, he will lean into the fact that some people are going to like it and some people aren't going to like it, and he doesn't care. So yeah. I kind of like that aspect of his personality. Yeah. I'll go Patrick Mahomes. I'm surprised you left off your boy Blue, Josh Allen. I think Mahomes would be great, although – it would be hard for him to really compare what he's seeing out of quarterbacks to what he's done. Yeah, yeah. Because they can't do what he does. Yeah, seriously. I want <laughs> to cartwheel out of there. Yeah,
2: right. I want to cartwheel uh-huh. out of there and done a 360 and thrown a ball sidearm from my right knee, you know, 40 yards down the field. Why didn't he do that? Because they can't, Patrick. <laughs> All right.
1: Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Reminder: Tomorrow night, it's coming. The full schedule release. You can stream it here on Peacock. You will get a breakdown of the twenty twenty two regular season schedule, division by division, plus analysis of the top matchups and primetime games. You can watch it tomorrow at eight PM Eastern on Peacock. And please, God, do not pick the outcomes of games to be played in January of twenty twenty three. Please, no one. I know that these win, loss, win, here. win,
2: win, my that that that. that there's a win. Week eighteen. Right. There's a win. I don't know the health there's of the team or anything about what's going on in the year, but there's a win. Like we always there's talk about. The first two or three games. We can we can go from there. Let's just pick those one and talk after that it it's kind of a crapshoot and you don't know where things are gonna hey, land.
1: Hey, hey, NFL is part of our mission to prop up and promote the sport. I'm telling you, I'm on this bandwagon. Make it a four-day event. I'm with you. I Monday, like your head. I Tuesday, like where you're at. Wednesday, yeah. Thursday. Break it up. It's too much. We're, we're going to have – it's just like the first Sunday of the regular season when you 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 come downstairs, it's Christmas morning, and all your presents spontaneously open, and you're in on information overload watching nine games at once. Take that Thursday night and smooth it out over the whole week or soothe it out over the whole week as the case may be and really piss off baseball, basketball, and hockey because – Two of those sports are in their postseasons, Chris, and people are going to be more interested
2: in knowing what the NFL schedule is going to be. I, well, that's where it, it's exploded. I mean, they're, we're going to pay a guy $37 million a year to talk about the damn game. That makes the point. Maybe he'll be on
1: the schedule release right. show. Put him to work. Earn your See money, ya. Tom. <laughs> See you tomorrow.
0: Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at StearnsAndFoster.com. Lesser savings may apply.